0: howdy folks and welcome to the esoteric gaming podcast this is a weekly podcast detailing some of our insights and opinions into the industry of gaming i am pear and with me as always i have my two co-hosts lex and dez howdy howdy and dez is back from being ill which is fantastic to have him back in the podcast back in that back in the saddle um which is always Mm -hmm. great um In terms of what we're going to be doing this week, we're actually going to be changing up our formats, (laughs) format change. Um, What we've been discussing as a group and discussing as a whole is taking back people's feedback, taking back some of our kind of our own ideas, uh, and always going to the drawing board and saying, how can we improve this podcast? And one of the things that we found that we always enjoy with our other podcasts that we do is talking on subjects that each one of us has a little bit more knowledge about. And so with all that being said, this week we have a pretty, I would say, an esoteric subject. (laughs) Uh, Lex brought it to our attention and I think uh, when he did it on the Discord, it was definitely like, yeah, we should definitely talk about that. But this week we are going to be chatting about um, Microsoft's uh, potential acquisition with Activision and Blizzard. And what's been happening with the FTC, what's been happening with Sony, and sort of the implications that this acquisition might have on us as gamers. So without further ado, let us take an esoteric dive into the world of gaming. So this week, Microsoft, they want to buy Activision and Blizzard. Lex, do you think it's a good idea?
1: (laughs) Let's just start with that one.
0: Um,
1: No, but but I I understand why they want to do it. But it it won't be good for gamers. It'll probably be good for the gaming companies to do it.
0: And this this stuff's never good for gamers. Do you think it's a good idea? Uh,
2: I also do not think it's a good idea. I think it'll happen. I don't think there's anything that the FTC has that is going to, in the end, actually stop this from happening. No, All right, fine. podcast
0: over, guys. Good job, everybody.
2: <laughs> done. Yeah.
0: That's a wrap. <laughs> That's a wrap. Shortest podcast ever. Well done. No, and you know, I was uh we had to chat before this podcast a little bit about, you know, what are our thoughts behind the implications about this. And I guess I'll get the party going here with some of my thoughts. So I listened to a few videos and read a few articles about this subject because I'm definitely no lawyer. Uh, I'm definitely not somebody that's like a super big expert into corporate law, corporate acquisitions and things like that. So I kind of came at this from sort sort of a point of ignorance, but definitely I understand gaming. I understand the industry of what's going on with the world of business with regards to gaming. And one of the things that I immediately thought about was that this is going to be bad from a competitive standpoint in terms of the price of gaming. So a lot of people erroneously thought, and I mean, I've seen this, Microsoft was kind of touting this, I think, um, but people were kind of bringing it up that like, you know, that this might make gaming cheaper. And that's just not the case, right? As we see when you have like a scenario where it's like a company has a monopoly On a gaming industry or on an industry in general, I mean, prices go up because they have, it has no competition. And that's the only thing that really drives prices down, generally speaking. Like I would say in the next 20 years, prices are only going to keep going up. Like there will come a day down the road. And I mean, funny enough, we're already there with some things whereby games cost $120, right? And it's insane how much games cost, but realistically, it is the realistic price of gaming. Now, let me ask you two: What do you guys think? Like, let's go with an example here. Let's say that there was a company, a AAA title. So, I'm not talking like indie indie title here. We're talking just AAA. How much realistic do, realistically do you guys think the comp, like a AAA, would need to charge per a game to make break even on these games nowadays?
2: Ooh, that's a rough question. I don't know. Um, I mean, these some of these games have, if I'm not mistaken, like billion dollar ish budgets.
0: Yeah, well, um, not billion dollars, but definitely a few, like me and Lex were taking a look at Elden Ring last week, and it, it definitely is in the millions. Like, I think Elden Ring had a budget. Uh, it, I think it was like fifty four. Is either they made? I think they made fifty four million. On, on Elden Ring. But they do have multiple million dollar budgets for sure.
1: It's it's a hard number for me to know exactly how much they would need. It, it, a lot of it depends on how many copies this particular game sells. So there's there's that I suppose.
0: Sure. But let's say that, let's say that it was like your average AAA. Let's just say that it was like a run of the mill, like Assassin's Creed, Call of Duty. Like, let's go with Call of Duty because that's kind of what we're dealing with today. How many copies of Call of Duty do you guys think Activision needs to sell to break even? And what is that? And let's go with that. Actually, that's a great, that's a great point, Lex. How many copies and what do you think that price point would have to be?
2: Can I jump in real quick? Yeah, <laughs> I think because I have another... number. So, so, I think that a typical AAA title is probably on the order of a hundred million dollars in cost when you sure. all included, uh, development, hosting, you know, if there's hosting involved, etc., um, support, all distribution, everything, probably a hundred million, maybe a bit more. Um, they, if they sell a million copies, which I think is a fairly decent number of copies. Uh, you can probably do more than that. I don't. I don't actually know how many some of these games sell, but some of them probably sell more than that for sure. Right off the bat, you need to charge a hundred dollars in order to recoup that cost.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's. I, I was. I would even no, argue a little bit more personally.
2: But. Yeah, rec- that's just break even. That's not yeah. even actually make money. Let's just break even is a minimum of a hundred dollars for AAA. A.
0: Yeah,
2: that,
1: that well, seems reasonable to me.
0: And so the story goes really that for those that are of the uninitiated, essentially what's happening here is Microsoft is working diligently to buy out Activision Blizzard, which it's funny. I mean, that in itself is sort of already a merger <laughs> of two. Pretty big company. <laughs> it's just like you got like you got little two little medium fish, and then they combine to make a big fish. And now you have a bigger fish coming along, being like, "I'm going to now eat you."
1: <laughs> I, I would describe it more as the growth of big guys that have gotten even bigger. Yeah, like Activision is old player in this business, and Blizzard, of course, is famous for multiple things, right? But if you look at Activision today, right, it, it's not just the two things is also if they have a very large mobile gaming component too, which is a whole other element.
0: Well, and that's a whole other topic, talking yeah. point that definitely is sort of that. Like, if there was like a pillar to the story that really is your your bang on Lex is the idea that Activision does have this catalog of just amazing mobile games that I would argue was that was acquisitions by by Activision itself as well, right? So they bought all these mobile games and they have this extensive mobile game catalog and then it's like Xbox wants a piece of that pie or not Xbox, sorry, well, I mean Xbox, but Microsoft I mean, yeah. <laughs> wants a piece yep. of that pie and here we are, right? Which is very very interesting. And so the big thing is is like if if Microsoft buys Activision and blizzard i would argue that this is not going to decrease prices as everybody says it's going to increase them it really who, is who, who is making that claim me i am oh you mean who's making who, <laughs> well, i'm making who, the claim who, who, that it's going to increase prices. <laughs> who's, who's
1: claiming that the prices are going to go down after after an acquisition like that's
2: i saw several um several takes of this on, on youtube where the the youtuber was saying that oh man like game pass is gonna be
1: awesome because you're gonna have all these games exactly yeah well they were saying that world of warcraft, so world just, of warcraft gonna is gonna, gonna be on the, the game pass they're just gonna yeah. give those away they're not gonna
0: yeah they're not oh, yeah. gonna
1: they're gonna spend 60 billion dollars and they're just gonna charge exactly the same amount of money for their game pass with twice as much content
0: yeah.
2: If, if Microsoft spent 69 billion dollars, there's no way they think that um, they're getting less than that back out of this.
0: Well, here's an interesting fact for you. I don't know if you knew this, but there's been speculation and rumor. So it's all speculation and rumor, of course. But I mean, <laughs> oh, <it's> speculation <laughs> that <Yeah>. um, <laughs> I'm about to say something and Lex is going to roll his eyes. I can feel it. Um, that. Mike, there's rumors that Microsoft might be opening up their own app store, right? And if that happens, then it's like they have like one of the biggest catalogs uh, in existence for mobile gaming off the hop. Well, one of, I'm not going to say the, but one of the biggest catalogs for mobile gaming. And so right there, you have a mobile gaming store just pop into thin air from pretty much nothing to one of the biggest in less than 10 seconds flat
2: and why would they not do that? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's they're looking at Steam going, "Man, they have a huge distribution platform. Epic has this their own distribution platform. They just sell a bunch of games on this platform and they're they're looking at this going, "Yeah, I want a piece of that pie." Yeah, of
0: course. Yeah. Well, and it's funny too cuz you you mentioned Game Pass there uh Des. It's funny when sea of thieves first came out i don't know if you guys knew this sea of thieves was sort of like and even to this day even to this day like sea of thieves has not released a piece of dlc they have microtransactions and all that jazz but i couldn't i don't think that that game that game was a selling point for the game pass in its original state and form that's that is of my opinion that what I saw essentially was a game that was very streamer-friendly, right? It's a very kind of like you could stream it with your friends. And I mean, it paid off, right? We see like Shroud and other streamers kind of streaming this game. And so it was a very streamer-friendly game, but it was all about exercising that advertising power with regards to the Game Pass, right? Getting that that subscription money every single month on top of Xbox Live, (laughs) right? And so it's like, you're paying like, what, like, I don't even know how much Xbox live is, but you know, you're paying like $30 a month to play video games. And I'll I'll be, I'll argue this. Like, have you guys ever played the game pass before? Like use the game pass? I have not. My son has. Yeah. You know what? Generally speaking, it's a pretty good value. I would say like for what you're going to get, like you're getting pretty much like, like full games that cost like $60 for like $10 a month. Now, sort of, of. I would push back
2: against that. So, so the thing is about Game Pass is let's say there's a thousand games on Game Pass. Sure. So the value of Game Pass is you get a thousand games for a monthly price of, say, $30. I don't know how much the whole whole package deal is, but uh, $30 a month. You don't you actually are not going to play all a thousand games. No, you're probably not going to even play. like. But you're going to play $30 a month times 12 months. So you're going to pay $360 a year. Are you going to actually play $360 a year worth of games and yeah. enjoy it?
0: No. No, well, maybe. I don't know if you're a...
2: I mean, there's ADHD a few people who will. ADHD-ridden and kid. <laughs> yeah, there are people who will. But by and large, the people who are going to be paying for Game Pass will not actually get their money value out of it, which is what they're counting on. That's and why I, this is worth money to them.
1: And I suspect that that model go away. And, and the reason why is if you look at if you look at the streaming, ones sorry, which on, which
0: model you mean is going to go th- away? This
1: this this past model is a shelf life. I, I'm I'm making a guess. Is that
0: right? Do you
1: think that? A, I think that. Yeah. I think
0: this is. I think this is the future. I think you would you would agree with me in saying this, Lex, that this is the future of gaming where you don't own nope. any of your games.
1: Oh yeah, that's that this that model of licensed model where you pay for it and get a license to it. What here's the thing, right? If you follow what's going on in Hollywood. They've been murdered by the streaming wars are killing all the participants, just destroying them. Disney plus is losing money. Netflix is losing subscribers. Like all the content providers are just getting absolutely destroyed. It, it turns out that that model is expensive to buy the properties and people have a pretty limited amount of money they're willing to spend. Right. So you yep. either end up with a library that's kind of a little bit light and you, the problem is everything you add to that. So the problem with the streaming format or this buy a pass format is essentially that it's an, all you can eat buffet and all you can eat buffets. I mean, those have very limited cases where that actually works because the adding more product just costs you money right you just the more stuff people can play the more money you're spending to get it to them
0: well and that's why buffets work right it's because it's not it's not like you get a smorgasbord of rotating menu items it's like you get the exact same thing it's it's an economies of scale thing right
1: but but that but the problem is is that how how is a how, (laughs)
0: how
1: how is a publisher who's essentially selling a fixed amount that somebody actually wants to pay how are they going to provide the right amount of content. I, that's the problem that's killing the streaming world today, right? Is they just, nobody can quite figure out how to make that financially make sense. It's a lot of, some of that's just, Hollywood's got some crazy pricing structures and stuff. Game, game developers are are famous for for working cheap, right? But, but it's still, it's software developers. And, and even though software developers are taking a, I I looked at some numbers, it looks about like a 20 to 30% salary drop for the equivalent types of work. And, you know, you're not making Silicon Valley money doing those things for most people. So it's still expensive, but it's like, I want to make another game. Well, am I going to buy, am I going to go out to more development companies and have them make more stuff? And if so, why, how's that going to make me money? Like you gotta, the problem with that model is you got to just keep increasing your subscriber count. And then there's a fixed amount of money you can get. I mean, the cable companies played this game for a long time. And they're yeah, well, actually having, they're having trouble I was
2: actually going to say that the, I heard somebody, and I can't remember where I heard this, and this was a, a while ago, but they made the case that the streaming streaming wars end with us back into a cable bundle, except it's on the internet.
0: Oh, oh no, no, no whoa! Can I just back up here and tell you straight up? Um, it's already happened. Um, yeah, it's I already, was, yeah, it's already happened. No, 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 no. I was at, uh, you guys don't know it, but I was at this, um, so I won't say the company name, but I was at this kind of meeting essentially. And we were, uh, getting, um, essentially it was a promotion. <laughs> See, we're advertised advertisements. I don't know if you guys knew that it's advertisement section. Um, <laughs> it, we actually, it's funny, but it's true in the advertising world. We're advertised advertisements all the time. And, um, it essentially was like go into this new subscription package and you get like a pack it was straight up like they said it like a package of streaming services and they listed yes. all the packages of streaming services that are offered and i'm like i feel like i feel like this is just cable tv with extra steps
2: <laughs> that's that's all it is and the, what you end up with in that model is you end up with a few channels that are the really valuable channels like espn but in order to get espn you have to get the 150 (laughs) channel package and pay all this money and And all like 140 of
1: those channels are total trash and here's here's where i'm going to make a claim where this thing breaks down right if you look at traditional television so my you know i grew up in the right at the very last era of the four channel television world right and there was a whole generation my parents generation and my grandparents generation that grew up with television being this very after evening activity that i've known people that just sit there and just do this for hours and this is all they do right it's dry it's dull and these people will spend a hundred dollars to sit there and just have some channel to watch gamers uh, gamers have got a very different type of buying pattern and 100 and that's I'm not saying that there won't be some things to come across there but this idea that gamers are just going to want to you know sit there and buy these large packages most of which they don't do I'm I'm skeptical of that part of that is this generation just went through cord cutting just yeah. got away from the idea that you're going to spend $150 for a bunch of channels you don't want and so, maybe they'll get back to there, but I just have serious doubts about that model now, I do think that microsoft these companies understand that they are sitting on really high dollar i p s yeah yeah that, that's, that's well that's the at the crux here, right? of
0: our that's at the crux of our of not our argument, but like our discussion in the sense of like f t c stopping this is they think that call of duty is because like, I think the big thing is, is it, I was reading something about the, the idea that, like, so Bethesda, Bethesda, as we're all aware, is bought out by Microsoft, right? And mm-hmm. what does Bethesda own? It owns Fallout. And now it's owning, for instance, like Starfield. Now, they're treating Starfield is, like is, some sort by of... By the way,
1: is that the Canadian pronunciation of Bethesda? I'm just curious. Like, is that a Canadian thing?
0: Uh, that's how you pronounce it, I would say. Am I correct, Des? <laughs> Bethesda.
2: I've always, I've always heard, heard, it. heard it uh Bethesda but I
1: it is Bethesda it. it's a Beth Seda is a biblical I say, Yeah I can't even say the Canadian British version of schedule I can't I can't do it <laughs> Oh dude 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 don't even
0: get me start I never no 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 I cringe I like actually have like uh like a uh, like a muscle twitch every time somebody says schedule and I'm like oh. <laughs> now, now, I, I will admit that I've I've
1: become a bit fond of uh, aluminum Oh, my goodness. No,
0: it's Illumina. Please. Please, Lex. Please.
1: (laughs) But but having having said that, it's... (laughs) On today's podcast
0: episode, we talk about... So Bethesda
1: is a a biblical name, but I've always
2: heard it said Bethesda. I think it is spelled Bethesda. I think it's just... Either it was mince pronounced so Des, often, go look it up. Des, go look it up.
0: <laughs>
1: this is one of those. Des is looking it up. <laughs> I am too. We just gotta
0: know. Like like
1: a little five minute interval. We got have a little short section on the pronunciation. Yes, is that our Bethsaida, new segment? That, How we pronounce the, our
0: game company names?
1: So Bethesda is actually one word, and Bethesda is another word. There are is actually, it okay? Yeah so interesting a seda is actually yeah i'm looking it up the seda yes. is the biblical word Bethesda. one for is, the canadians
0: uh, all right yeah.
1: um well, so, but, the, but they actually write it as b-e-t-h-e-s-d-a and and yes beth i think is that's so funny too that is, i just
0: yeah. i kind of just said it off the cuff nonchalantly like that like <laughs> i didn't even think about it because i actually be like have said bethseda or bethseda or beth Seta. how do you guys say it again Bethesda. Bethesda, Bethesda, yeah. Yes, like I've Bethesda. said, I've said Bethesda before. No, 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 I have. And then somebody was like, "I heard it one time." I was like, "Bethsaida," and I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's right." <laughs> well,
1: what's interesting <laughs> is that there is actually Bethesda in, the, in in Jerusalem. So apparently, both words are
0: there. You go. Different, different. Up, yeah. and both have, okay.
1: Well, both of them have Beth, which house. I, I do know enough Hebrew to know that that's house of Hebrew lessons right? so, with blacks. Uh, But no, what I was going to say is
0: is FTC's kind of concern right now. And so for those that are kind of of the uninitiated type, such as myself, I had to look this up. But essentially, there's like this regulatory bodies that exist. Like there's the US, there's the UK, and for for some inexplicit reason, there's Brazil. And all three of these bodies essentially have to agree that... Like this deal can go through in order for it to go through in their respective countries, right? And I don't know why Brazil. <laughs> I have no clue. Yeah, why Brazil I, was, was right. I was actually surprised. I didn't know oh, about Brazil.
1: I I have a guess on that. I'm gonna look something up on you guys. Yeah.
0: So Chat. essentially, though, is the F- uh, besides the point. FTC is like no, like because essentially what happened was Microsoft promised to the Europeans that they're like, oh no, we're going to like all these uh, Bethesda, Bethesda. Oh man, Bethesda. Bethesda. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> this is gonna be a problem. Um, Bethesda. All these Bethesda games are going to be on all the consoles, and that's not the case. So Starfield, they're treating Starfield like some sort of golden child, like it's some sort of golden goose egg. And I'm sort of like, boys, it's still, it hasn't come out yet. And I mean, don't hold your breath. But Bethesda, Bethesda. What, I'm just gonna say how I think it sounds. Bethesda. <laughs> um has <laughs> shut up <laughs> it has a track record of like it taking two years after the game is released for it actually to be any good right i mean they do make good games like fallout's a great game Skyrim's a good game but i mean i i wouldn't hold your breath too long because you're probably going to run out of air because they need to at least either the modders need to get a hold of it or somebody because they're still using the creation engine right and i mean we all know how that went with 76 um and so, so the thing though is, is I was reading, I was reading this article that kind of talked about the idea that FTC and a lot of these regulators are sort of very much like they kind of remember, they remember when companies sort of jip them to some like jip the FTC to some degree. And so it's like, you want to behave, right? You want to have a track record of behaving If you don't want the FTC, if you don't want these other regulatory bodies to kind of slap your wrist,
1: right? Well, that that is not Microsoft's.
0: um... Exactly. Well, and here's the other thing. So Sony was like, so Sony was like, well, well, Mr. Regulator, uh, uh, Microsoft is doing this bad, bad thing. You should stop them. And then Microsoft was like, the hell are you on about, Sony? You guys have done. Like, you guys have done just as, like, uh, <coughs> Bungie, like, you know, you guys have just done just as bad as we have, right?
1: Which is the wonderful be bad and then go, I'm okay being bad because the other guy's worse argument. The, yeah. The, the, don't address your own issue, distract, right? Well,
0: well but that's Microsoft it. Yeah, also
2: yeah. does have a history of saying they won't do
1: something and then doing it anyway. Yeah, I. Mm. So, so I well, that's why they did for, it. The year so... I was around for the I was around for the browser war. So to me, to me, Microsoft is always going to be a company that makes low quality operating systems, a incredibly annoying and overpriced office product that everybody's got. That and as a company that destroyed people. I, I I'll never forget and I, I think I told you guys about this one earlier. When I was uh, working at a software, small software company, energy, energy industry, Microsoft says, we're going to get in the energy business, right? We're going to go to that area. And I, my boss was on the phone with Microsoft, like within 20 minutes. And, and I'll never forget this phone call where this clearly bleary eyed, you know, he'd been at it all day going to everybody going, oh, we promise we're not going to make any software in this space because they had such a bad reputation. I mean, they got sued and lost a court case until the judge basically said things he shouldn't have said and then the case was thrown out. But essentially they, Microsoft has a terrible history of being a very bad player in this space, which is a strong point in the FTC's case. They're able to point out things quite specifically. I agree with you. I, the FTC is almost powerless when it comes to stopping mergers in the United States. Like I'd be much more likely to think the EU could do it. The, Ever since the Reagan era in the United States, regulatory agencies have have been steadily declawed. My entire life, I mean, half half the Americans that I know don't like any government at all, and definitely don't like regulation business. And so, yeah, they might have a case, but it's the the thing is is this is going to come down to politics more than case. Like, if you read the complaint, it, it the complaint is just latching on to little little lawyer thing growing up as a kid in the law firm. A lot of times you just make every argument you can make and you try to make the best ones, like you, you just throw out your really crappy ones So you don't weaken your case, but you just find things like it's, there's obscure rules covering things and you just, you just hammer, you just got, you find your issue and you just hammer things and yeah, that's but, what you do. Right. Yeah. And, and that may have nothing to do with their real case. This is just the thing that they can latch onto right. to try to try to make a complaint.
2: But I do think it's a mistake for FTC to focus solely so much on
1: um, one game, Call of well, Duty, as the well. That's
0: yeah. That, little... that may
1: that may be a case of not weakening their case by distracting. So so a little contrary to what I said earlier. Uh, my dad used to talk to me about because he was a lawyer. He said uh, a a bad basically a bad case like a bad point can't make a good case better, but it or can't make a bad case better. But it can make a good case bad. But here's so here's you why you can weaken your case by picking side topics, and then you lose the thread and you lose. So
0: so here's the thing of why, and so you brought it up, Lex, about the idea that us as gamers have um, different buying habits, right, than your typical TV watcher, right, and like I, I we could probably take a survey of most North American houses here in North America. I say North America because canada uh, and mexico um and you know it'd be very interesting it'd be very i'd be very hard pressed to not find out that most gamers that are console gamers i would say pc gamers typically have pc right it may they might have one console right but console gamers large in part might have two consoles right they might have a playstation and an xbox and so mm-hmm. anybody that's like a gamer that's like is this going to harm gamers because here's where i think they're going with it Lex is they're thinking of call of duty well they thought like for instance starfield so starfield is just going to xbox and pc right so that's i don't know if you guys knew that it's it's a xbox exclusive like it's no longer going to playstation right um yes yeah and that's wait, one that, of the that's, 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 that's the example yeah, yeah. They've, they've, that's the example they, they love of to do that. yeah yeah and so but here's the thing so call of duty call of duty why they're talking about call of duty is because call of duty is like a console pc thing but why they're not talking about the mobile games, which is like the meat and potatoes of where the money, money, money tree is, is because, you know, there's there's who, no, there's yeah, no monopoly. Exactly. I was just, yeah. Thank you, Lex. I was just, I was like, it, there's it, no real, yeah. like it, like if it happens, actually, that was a point being made. It was kind of like, who cares? Like, who cares about what, who cares about what company owns a mobile game? Because at the end right. of the day.
1: Microsoft's weakness in this case is that they are a producer of the console units and the designers of the operating systems. So they own the platforms or they have stakes in the platforms. And that changes the way you look, right? If if you're if you're just in the business and you just buy up your competitors, but you still have to go to the console manufacturers, it's it just it's just looked at differently, right? It's it's Microsoft's advantage with their Xbox platform and their uh, pc platforms admittedly the pc market is not quite as monopolized as it used to be but that puts them in a position where it is a legitimate threat that they can make now i i suspect the ftc this is a lot of politics i i maybe there's maybe there's some good government servants doing their jobs on this right but i i worked for a government agency for a couple of years in my earlier life, and it was the most political job ever. It was just the whole thing was politics, everything <laughs> was politics. Well, it, it's, yeah, people hate the United people in the United States are always our government, but the government agencies just react to what the politicians you run them do to them, right? And so there are people that don't like things and they initiate political actions and they use organizations like the FTC as a tool to achieve certain goals, and the FTC has made the best case they can come up with and are stall I think they're just stalling now the one thing they have managed to do I don't know if you look at the court dates they've managed to hold this thing off almost two years if you if you look at the amount of time that it's the like the actual case for this I think is like next year or just late this year before there's any sort of public hearing and then they'll have eventually make some decisions so you know it, in some senses it may just be a stall tactic just stall for as long as you can so that all the competitors can make the time i'm i I, i'm not assuming for a moment that the ftc is acting out of some benevolent concern for the american citizens particularly gamers i it's it's more of a it's more of a political you know play going on between the participants but the thing is 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 i think the ftc case is actually the personal opinion is actually a distraction to the bigger issue which is we are late in a stage where a lot of the publishers are essentially having to go through a a large amount of uh, consolidation. Yeah. And, you know, it's been building for a while. Like if you look at, so the original Activision, I mean, this, this is an old company. I'm going to do the history section for this. Yeah. They started as basically programmers that didn't want to have to work for Atari and those companies, they wanted to get credit for their own productions. It, I still have in my head. I still have the the pictures of the boxes of those old Atari games with Activision labels all over them. And then I remember playing. Probably my favorite game from them is Mech Warrior, the original Mech Warrior, made a long time ago. Oh, that's old. And, yeah, yeah, it's very old. Uh, and you know, Isn't so like Mech co- Five already. <laughs> yeah, but the point is, is that original Mech Warrior is very different than Mech Warrior Two. It's like a, it's specifically a property of its time. And so Activision, you know, built up, and then of course they've acquired. I think they they bought out Infocom, for example, which old text games that are way out of style. But Infocom was a, was a big maker of games in the 80s. And so they've been around since the late 70s, early 80s. And then, of course, you have Blizzard, this giant, right, of just the company to make the high quality games. I would say between Bethesda and Blizzard, you're really looking at the two companies that people go for. Ah, oh, these They make the quality stuff, right? And Blizzard, I think, had an even stronger reputation for a much longer period of time. And so you have these companies that have evolved and they've acquired and they've acquired. And you're getting to less and less publishers that are getting larger and larger in a business that is now larger than Hollywood. That's the thing I've been thinking about that all week. It's like people treat Hollywood as legitimate business. But for some reason, gaming is kids play. Like the gaming industry is much larger. It's huge. it's huge. It's it's giant, giant gigantic amounts of money, and, and EA
2: EA has acquired a whole bunch of smaller yeah, companies too.
1: So, so yeah, EA has been acquired. EA is the same thing. EA goes is just as old as Activision, basically, but yeah. the same basic era, right? So you you have the Take Two's been around a long time. So if you you have these survivors of this long process, in some ways it's like it's like what happened right before all the 1990s buyouts of all of the traditional. Uh, television: NBC, CBS, ABC, all of them started getting bought up in these big conglomerations. Many of which failed, right? But but you're seeing some of that stuff. Like Microsoft wasn't a gaming company until Xbox came out. And I, I'm old enough to remember when people were looking at the Xbox, going, "That thing's going to suck, and nobody's going to play it." Yeah, you know, I, I laugh at, at that prediction. But you know, we're at we're at a consolidating period. Yeah, and so I think it, consolidation is inevitable. I think it's, it's going been to having
2: happen. happening for years. It's going to continue to happen. This is not Microsoft's last acquisition. Uh, Sony, this is Sony's not sitting on the sidelines here. Um, but we have Tencent Games actually has a huge percentage of the gaming market. They just you don't. They're you, not any on. Yeah, they're not a publisher. But they, but they're
1: everywhere. But, but you know but what, they're you know Everywhere. What, the interesting thing about it is acquisitions tend to happen when the industry has simply gotten to the point where the number of competitors in it can't support the market that's involved. That the cost have reached some point where, like it, the railroad industry went through this, like a bunch of small railroads and then a bunch of bigger railroads. So the small railroads weren't profitable, so they had to join bigger ones. And then eventually those went out of business later, but that's a long, that's its own story, right? But it's just thing for an industry as big as it is, this amount of consolidation is usually a sign of problems in the pipeline, probably going back to some of what you were talking about, see pair of costs, the cost of production is yeah. so high, right? Dude. Yeah. And that, that it's risky. Like, and if you look at this right now, like one of the larger ones is, uh, if you look at, at Wikipedia, blizz uh, not, not Blizzard, but, uh, Warner, you want to talk about a company that's like, they're, they're, they're in serious trouble. Like that, that's, that's one of the larger conglomerations. It's just been bleeding money. And so, and interesting thing is, this is actually really terrible timing. This is a massive consolidation and large amounts of debt that happened with this right before an economic slowdown, which I, which isn't even being talked about, right? It's like the amount of, of they're, they're essentially hoping this industry will support the amount of growth they wanna do and they're consolidating and pushing billions of dollars, which is weird to me. How much they're willing to pay seems a lot but given the size of the market, it's not as big as I would have thought, right? But I mean, it is multiples of their yearly revenue. But at the same time, it's like this, there is a, there's this, I, I think something's going on from an economic perspective that we're just not talking about here. I think that's a bigger thing is, are we about to experience a substantial change in the dynamics of this market that is that is going to fundamentally alter this? Are Some of these people going to go out of business or, or are they just going to keep buying each other up? Because the thing, I don't think Activision Blizzard is not profitable, but they definitely had a bad year and some scandals, and one of their primary properties, and WoW, is slowly bleeding off. And Overwatch is, I think, it's been successful, but not quite where they want it to be. So, is this is this a just their financial position is weak? Is this just somebody's got a lot of money and wants to buy a bunch of IP? Like what's like if if I'm Activision Blizzard, why would I want to be bought? Right. Maybe
2: that's you think that's what's going on. Yeah. I mean, this is what Microsoft does. They say, I want to go into a space. They go buy into the space and then they have the business connections and the size and the the internal workings to be able to make it just be competitive and take over spaces. It doesn't always work, uh, but it does often work.
1: Yeah, and and then you've got the kind of profits they make. You just eventually yep. you're like, I what am I gonna do with the money? I can do stock buybacks or I can expand. Like it's right. it's you're not gonna pay dividends because that's the tax mistake, right? So it's like, what are you gonna do with all your money? And so expansion is is logical, I suppose. Do you think that sixty billion is a good price? This is what I'd ask you guys. Like, does it are they paying too much or are they getting a steal?
0: I mean, for the mobile for the mobile games I think it's pretty. But do you good. think
1: those markets
2: are. They paid a billion for a cool billion for Minecraft several years ago. Yeah. One game. Yeah. That was it. And it's, you know, admittedly a large franchise that
1: keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but that, that franchise is important because it's Star Wars like merchandising.
2: Yes. It's got and, money out. It's got other
1: streams other than
2: just playing. Right. So it is. It is a very large profitable franchise. That said, this is this is a much. I think you know, it's not like
1: Call of Duty is not large. Yeah. Profitable. It's it's just I. Because I, I do see Microsoft coming into other businesses, but why go? Why pay sixty billion for a publisher? Like, what is
2: this just? Is just to make work. it happen, yeah, just to make it happen because they need they they what their their business, and I can't speak exactly, but I can guess based on what I know about Microsoft, what they've done in the past, and you know, kind of like guesstimating on what they're looking at is they want game Pass to be epic, um and they want to open their own game store. Um, they want to integrate that into Windows. They want to continue to have Windows be the dominant gaming platform. Uh, they're not looking at Steam Deck going, oh, that's no big deal. <laughs> they're going to continue to want to make sure that they're competitive and that there's reasons to keep gamers on Windows forever. Um, so so this is – so their their value, the value of the company to them, 69000000000 billion, isn't about necessarily only the profit that – they can get out of uh the acquisition it is about the position it puts them in competitively um in order to meet all the market demands that they're trying all the competition that they're trying to compete with like that's why like you they can talk all day about they can promise all day that call of duty is going to be available on every platform going forward um and that
1: that promise is worth worth let's yeah let's the, say the Mu- the munich treaty you know just the, I'm old going old <laughs> school there right yeah it's, just, it's like, like it, pieces piece of paper just that's it's all it is just they are, a, right? it's a
2: piece of paper then you know they 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 violate paper. it they may may get fined for it they don't care they don't
1: it's care. money they have lots of that yeah the ftc in the united states is it's not toothless but when dealing with companies of this size it's toothless
2: yeah yeah, the companies of this size, it's toothless, and so yeah. so that's what they're doing. So yeah, sixty nine billion, totally like Microsoft's looking that at that, going, yeah, no problem. And and keep in mind, like this isn't necessarily just cash changing hands.
1: Yeah, it's it's all the ways to do it. I, all, I, they take, all the various ways. As long as they're not taking debt, like when companies take large amounts of debt that's when it goes bad. And, and the reality is these consolidations often work out very poorly for the consolidators. There are plenty yep. of exceptions, right? Yep. Uh, bell, bell telephone, but the irony is that this is worth the interesting. These massive conglomerations actually tend to work better in highly regulated markets where they can monopolize easily than they do in these unregulated businesses. And, and I think the thing that we haven't really talked about, and this is another point I'd make, is that at this point these companies are competing more against companies in other countries japan south korea china those those biz like tencent when you talked about yep. they're, they're dealing with big international competitors who are also playing in the same space and uh, it, it will be the number of major u.s publishers is, is shrinking and that's that just happens it's normal things right but in a sense they have to position against markets that are much larger it's like i don't know what microsoft's presence is in china or south korea but those are gigantic markets yeah
2: yeah i I have numbers from 2018 i looked them up uh and the the largest buy revenue in the world in uh, 2018 was tencent games then Sony, then Microsoft, then Activision Blizzard.
1: Yeah, if you buy if you buy the numbers from Wikipedia, which who knows, it's it's Sony and then Ten Cent right now. And and so
2: what Microsoft and Microsoft by acquiring Activision Blizzard, and who knows what where those two are. The, basically, what they're trying to do is leapfrog the competition in terms of you know size and asset value of the property they don't even care if some value of Activision and Blizzard is lost in the process it's about them where they sit in the market relative to the other players
1: the thing that's interesting is i in my experience and, and the thing about microsoft and this is a problem with this deal that hasn't been talked about there are a number of companies that are essentially growth through acquisition that lack the ability to innovate and improve the properties they buy.
0: Well, and that's another thing too in the sense yeah. I was thinking about um <clears throat> what's a company that uh isn't it uh who who owns BioWare? Oh, that's,
1: a good question. that's a good question. Because I... like
0: BioWare is a prime example of EA EA yeah. owns BioWare. <laughs> I think yeah, for a second.
1: Yeah, all these guys are they're all owned by like a few players. Yeah
0: but so it's like bioware was at the time like i would say in the maybe mid 2000s like tens region like i would say maybe tens and then like early even knots like you know it was at the crux of like it was the pinnacle of sci-fi rpg storytelling games right like the mass effect series was bigger like it it went toe to toe with games like halo right like well, so, while halo was doing the act the action multiplayer what have you not mass effect over here was telling amazing stories and doing all that and now and i mean like i've played mass effect andromeda and i mean i'll just say this as much as it went to like memehood status like i think you you might be familiar with uh mass effect andromeda uh lex because i know you played no. the other three but like i, now, I didn't t-
1: i didn't touch it because it's reputation yeah uh, so it went to me and, 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 and more importantly the end of mass effect 3 and the way they finished it was a sign to me that, oh, that yeah. studio, they, they were done. Like, here's the thing, they, though.
0: <laughs> let me just let me just say this about Mass best Effect game and the worst ending. It's horrible. I, sorry, <laughs> no, I've, I know I, what you're I talking just, about.
1: <laughs> it's a, it's Mass Effect three is how you make a game, except for how except for the end.
0: But here's the thing about Mass Effect and Drama. Yeah. Is you had a scenario in your hands. I truly believe. I truly do believe you had a scenario on your hands where you had maybe some maybe. I don't know. I'm conjecturing here when I say this. But from the sounds of things, you might have had some inexperienced people on the team doing some things, right? And that's fair. Everybody's got to get their feet wet some degree, right? But as much as it hit this memehood status, it actually, dare I say, was a fairly good story. Like weirdly enough, it actually took – like I'm not a story guy. I don't play games for story. I I always always skip cut scenes 100% of the time. But weirdly enough, at the root of its story, it had a it had a pretty compelling story that unfortunately it got caught off because of all these things that transpired. But it's kind of like the problem there was the fact that it wasn't backed by an indie studio anymore that was like let's okay guys, we understand we did a boo-boo here. We're gonna make this we believe in this game right? we believe so, in this. like had Mass Effect 1 been released under EA's guys, it probably would have been canned, right? And we would have never seen Mass Effect 2 and 3. So here's the thing, right? This is, this is a dirty secret, and some people might disagree, but
1: the worst participants in this market are the developers. Those companies go under so fast, so often. And, and I don't know how much they have turnover, though programming is a young man's game, and video game programming is a very young man's game. Well,
2: I don't know how much about turnover as much as they would hire a bunch of people, finish the game, and then fire a bunch of people.
1: Yeah, it's 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 not a business that has a habit of producing. Studios are so inconsistent in their product and how the quality. Like, it's it's interesting that if I was in this business, I wouldn't be a developer. I'd be a publisher, right? Yeah, buy the IPs that are making money and sell those right the the development companies have have terrible business I you, you hear me every time talk about how bad the video game business is it's 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 worse than I'm making it out to be it's an extremely exploitive business that takes advantage of the hopes and dreams of young men mostly young men it's getting to be more women over time which is good but it takes advantage of youthful exuberance like yeah I, 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 I laugh about this podcast but I tell somebody had a podcasted like the Guy, I'm talking to, is, oh, I want to be a podcaster. It's like, yeah, 20-year-old guys, like you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Like you have a clue
0: in the <laughs> but world. But wait, right? wait, 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 Lex. <laughs> we know what we're getting ourselves into.
1: <laughs> uh, but, but here's the difference. This is the only thing that age gives, right? Somebody tells me that I want to do something, and I and I can imagine before I start that it's going to be a lot harder and a lot more problems than I thought.
2: Yes, cuz I've done a lot of things over the years that have been a lot harder and a lot more problems than I thought they were going to be.
1: And and there the thing is is that there's so many good programmers out there who can come up with the core of a game like overnight. And you can come up with the basic of a game, the the actual just start of the game. Not all the publishing, not all the playtesting, not all the bug fixing, not all the improvements, not all the optimizations. The the the, the, the 9 it's almost instead of the 90/10 rule, it's almost like the 99/1% rule, right? It's like you can get almost the entire game done in a weekend and then the actual game to get it to really good status takes the rest of your time, right? And it's much, much longer and much, much more dull. And it's a business that that young kids wanna play games. They wanna get into it. They get excited about it. They're interested in it. They have no idea where they getting into They go work for these companies. So they go work for these developers Then the developers go out of business all the time and get crushed and barely make a profit. It's these large publishers and work they work an yeah.
2: absurd number of hours for yeah. Yeah. less pay than their peers. Yeah, for nothing. For nothing, yep.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, the, the reality is is the publishers in this situation are the smart ones. They, they find out what IPs are selling, and they own those IPs. And, and what Microsoft is doing makes sense in that sense. Now, I have serious doubts about Microsoft's ability to really properly innovate, but that may just be the cranky old guy who's never seen Microsoft do a good thing in his life, even when they have. Like, th- this is, I'll be honest, Microsoft is one of those companies that could literally save the planet from a nuclear holocaust. And I'll be like, still don't like you, right? Because it could stop an alien invasion. And I'm like, don't, don't want to have anything to do with you. <laughs> so, so so I'm really biased against Microsoft. I'm going to own that bias in this conversation.
2: I do think that, though your point is valid, that Microsoft is not going to be an innovator here. Their, their goal is not to be an innovator. That's not what they're after. Yeah. Their goal, they, Microsoft, uh, it, it, I think it's fairly, it, I think it's fair to say that Microsoft is a pure business company that happens to do technology. Yeah. That's that's how their mindset works. They're, they're,
1: the, they're the modern IBM. Yeah, yeah, I mean, to, very to, much to so. Use, to use a company that people don't talk about a lot, but it's still out there and making money, you know. But And just... so
2: I think this is the, the consolidation of the gaming industry is what we're seeing here. And basically, a lot of the smaller players are probably the number their days are numbered. Um, and this is just one step and this is the biggest acquisition so here's the thing about this one is if microsoft acquires activision blizzard microsoft acquiring ubisoft is going to be like an afterthought it's no big
1: deal ubisoft is
2: tiny not a real competitor
1: and the funny thing is i think they've picked a bad time I, i think the games i first of all i'm a big believer in indie games I just really think that there's this flourishing world of indie games that's out there for, those, those are most of what I play. And, but those AAA games, you got to have so many components. I mean, we talked about that in a previous podcast, like E.T. I'm going to bring E.T. again. One guy, six weeks,
0: right? Guys, he's bringing E.T. Where's your bingo cards? Everybody got your bingo cards. But exactly, right. <laughs>
1: but, but this is a game <laughs> made in six weeks by one guy. These AAA, well, you know, they gotta have they gotta have writers, they gotta have play testers, they gotta have level designers, they gotta have software developers. They gotta, they gotta have, have huge... me,
0: the marketing people.
1: Yes, but but what gets me is you look at these companies and you look at their staff sizes for the product they're making, and I and I legitimately oh Bungie think it... Bungie has like three hundred people
0: for Destiny two. Well,
1: well, and what gets me is I'm I'm used to working at companies and I still work at one that. Don't, don't hire that many people to make that kind of stuff like you can do it with less and so I, and i'm not sure that's strictly the case for triple a's but triple a's seem to have almost fallen into the hollywood trap of just everything in hollywood requires so many people to make and, and in one sense this is this is another topic great talk the the fact that modern game design is basically ho- what hollywood used to be right it's it's becoming that industry to the point where many of the good voice actors and participants I mean, like if Death Stranding really caught me because they basically just took a famous actor's face and put him on the front, right? And it's like yeah. they just took a, They just took a major actor and sold it because the major actor is the character in, in the game, right? Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, exactly. 300, <laughs>
2: 331 million to cost. And, and so you look at Wikipedia, yeah. wow.
0: and so you look at these games, and you're like, and three hundred of that three hundred million of that dollars went to Keanu Reeves.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much, but I probably <laughs> can't think of it. We got, we got indie developers doing this on a weekend in their back, in basically in their garage. Making, making games
2: that are fun.
1: Making fun games on no budget, right? And then we've got these, I've got to spend Hollywood-level money to make a game. So that business has gotten out of control. And by the way, that's going to hurt them, because I think they're they're taking on so much debt to build these things. Now, so this is a question I have you guys, and this is slightly related. Do you think the gaming industry is recession-proof?
0: Not to a certain point, to a certain degree.
1: Because I think they're betting on that. I, I the, the decisions they're making are betting that they can continue to make all this money in the middle of a recession.
2: I don't think they are.
1: You don't think so?
2: No. Because... I think... They think they can ride out any
1: recession that hits. Well, that's the thing. Are they right? Yeah. You think they're right? Yeah. Maybe, maybe they're just maybe they got so much money in the back. like and Microsoft—they they have
2: absurd go, amounts of money.
1: Yeah, Microsoft's not going to go out of business because of their gaming industry. They 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 make so much money on their core platforms even to this day, right? They they're making money in their cloud business. Things I know of, and I'm sure they're doing other things. They make tons of money on their cloud business. They make tons of money on their. uh Operating system business, they make tons of money on their office suites, and I'm sure there's 50 other things I don't even know about, right? So yeah, they they could probably absorb that. But is and maybe Sony's the same way. And that's the thing is I you know I guess if you start thinking about Sony, you're getting into conglomerate at that point, like a company that's really into just so many businesses that gaming is just one of the things they do.
2: But also think about it, how bad would a recession have to be for the gaming industry to tank.
1: Here's the thing if, if a game costs 310 million to make, how much profit can they realistically expect to make? And will that profit go away? Now, the, the publisher might survive, but the studios that make this stuff probably won't unless they're still profitable. If it's going to cost you 310 million or 300 whatever to make a game, you have to say, se- before you've even sold a version of the copy, you've got to sell at a tremendous amount of copies. Now you can do that in a market where every kid's got a lot of money and Christmas is big. Can you do that in a recession?
2: Maybe don't have to you don't have to spend 300 million on a game though. That's the Yeah,
1: thing. but the problem is when you've got when your company is at the size where it's making things at 300 million, you don't scale down to 10 million dollar productions. You just you don't well, have but to, you know, This is one people. of the
2: reason this is one of the reasons that this is the consolidation is happening is that there's probably not enough market for every company out there like call of duty modern warfare 2 316 million final fantasy 7 135 to 245 million halo
1: 2 230 million like these cost more than hollywood movies before you take out marketing
2: yeah and so i i think what's happening here is that there are still even in a recession there are still space for a few games to be made at that high expense level that sell wide. And Microsoft is one of the companies that can do that. Sony is another one. Um, Particularly if Microsoft is able to actually convert this into a position in the market, they are totally capable of doing that. They have the, they have the Xbox. Um, But there's probably not enough market for all of the different publishers that exist have existed recently and exist today to do, be able to create these 300 million games and have them sell at the level that you need to have them like you, you, the number of blockbusters that there are positions open are just small
1: that's probably true so where do you think this thing goes I'm, I'm going to ask the next question where do you think we're at on two years
0: in this thing I think the big thing is is that ultimately it'll go through right like you said that FTC doesn't have too much teeth in the matter and i mean it'll go through and what'll happen it i think one of the things i was i was contemplating while we got while we were talking about why people think that costs are going to go down like with like prices are going to go down for games and that there actually will be more competition in the sense that but it's it's not a good sense it's not like a positive like oh i'm really happy this is happening cuz here's the thing so When you got like a scenario like, you know, when you got a scenario like Spider-Man, for instance, Spider-Man was on Sony's PlayStation right first before it moved to PC, I can imagine that they didn't develop that game on PlayStations. (laughs) They developed Uh, that game.
1: You got to be careful. Sony owned that property.
0: No, I know. No, no. That's what they, I'm saying. No, they, no. no. They so the, I'm saying that's a
1: weird case. They they own the Spider-Man franchise. Yeah, so, they would be strongly incentivized to put it on their. Own
0: correct. No, no, no. And what we're saying here, well, I'm, I'm getting to my point. What we're saying yeah. here is that um, Xbox is going to own Bethesda, right? And then all of a sudden, Starfield is going to be an Xbox exclusive, right? So that's kind of we already well, know that. What, that's what happening. is this, Bethesda? Oh my goodness! <laughs> Stop making fun of me, <laughs> Beth. Beth-set-a? bethesda 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 oh man <laughs> last,
1: last last joke for the
0: night the island, right? <laughs> uh, yeah you're not allowed you've lost your joking privileges um <laughs> but you know you have your scenario here where it's kind of like um so sony sony did spider-man and then they put spider-man on the pc right i would generally think that was a probably uh decently and maybe i'm like way off base here and i i could be i could be just talking talking total smoke here when i say this but i could say reasonably so it might have been a fairly easy move to make right like in the sense that they probably already had some sort of build on a computer that they were developing and that they only had to do they only had to do a few more tweaks and edits and modifications to make this thing a reality while is so what I'm saying here is if then all of a sudden somebody came along and said, well, there's actually a really fantastic market in the Xbox market for Spider-Man, that move is, that move is much larger than just putting it back, putting it on PC, right? So PC... I, I,
1: don't, I don't know why that would be the case. What do you mean? Sorry. What, what, what te- from a technical perspective, why would moving console to console be harder than moving from console to PC? I don't know. So,
0: like I said, I don't know. I'm kind of just so theorizing I, here. I am just kind I of making can, an I absolute can, theory when I say this.
2: I can speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I'm in sure. that um moving from console to PC is easier than PC to console. The the thing and about yes, console. Oh it is. Oh geez,
0: that's um, that is yeah, but, that but is I'm quite a big, big gap. Yes. Why would
1: console to console be harder than console to PC?
2: The the reason console to console is hard is each of these consoles, and this is this is less true now. Um, but it in particular it used to be that each of the consoles had very uh, esoteric uh, constraints that no. were not
0: similar yeah. to each
1: other. That that make, thinking about it for a second. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I'm thinking
0: um, about like from my from my standpoint. One of the things I'm thinking about is there's two, but I think one is bigger than the other. Like one of the biggest differences is their operating systems right so they develop let's go with an instance here for instance they develop the game on the unreal engine let's say that a developer develops a game on the unreal engine well the unreal engine as we all know already plays well on pc it's really just a pc engine right that's what it's built for that's what it drives although it can be used for console right so you take you tell the developers okay guys we're gonna put it on playstation okay we gotta take it from the unreal i, I don't know what to convert like i'm i'm Speaking of pure ignorance here. Fair, we take, fair, fair? Yeah.
1: I don't talk about advertising like an expert, do I? <laughs> yes, you do. Oh no. <laughs> I, no, I, I I get where you're going. Yeah. I, and so
0: the thing yeah. is is you take a you take a, a game and you built it on the Unreal Engine and then you convert it, but it takes a lot of effort to convert that to the operating system of the Xbox or the operating system of the PlayStation. But it's like, okay, and and then you kind of like clap your hands together and you're like, okay, we're done work for the day, go home kind of thing. Like, we're done. Like, we're not going to, our budget is expended, what have you not. And then, but all of a sudden, somebody comes down the road, such as with Spider-Man, such as with Spider-Man, and says, I think there's a market on the other console. Well, that's going to take a much more monumental effort to put, to convert that now to that OS in that I think, system I then... think that's a
1: solved I think in a lot of ways it's a solved problem today like companies do that all the time
0: oh well, they do yeah, I think they do but less... like it's definitely still requires effort like it still requires like hiring or not hiring but convert telling your engineer to go okay convert this game to to this and they'll be like okay that will take like two weeks of time right and do they really want to put that time in, right? Well, and that's
2: why all of the independents, here's like the Activision blizzards of the world, actually put their games on multiple consoles is because it's totally a doable thing these days. However, PlayStation and Microsoft, two years from now, we're going to live in a world where there's probably a a significant number of high-quality games that are exclusive to each of those platforms, and there is no amount of money and profit that those companies could be enticed by to port those games to another
1: platform. See, that's that's always the great question. That's been a problem historically, except for the fact that it. The biggest counterargument for that is generally in the markets where multiplayer cross-platform is a thing, uh, where where there's demand from players for to be able to play with their friends at different consoles. That's, that's yes. That that may be the only exception to that. Yes. Here's the thing though, I, I firmly believe, like, so I'll go back to a very old story. What was one of the, the biggest sources of income that was going, Like the product on Apple that was making the most money for a long time. on on, on old Mac OSs, uh, like Microsoft, on Apple, on old Microsoft, Microsoft office. Yep. Yeah, I right? can so, that. so these were direct competitors that actually invested in each other's businesses and produced cross product things. Because the thing is the investors, when they see money, so like Disney, so Disney is one of those companies that will not do this, right? But if you look at a lot of the other companies out there, they will, well, they'll, take, they'll take the money because the investors want the money.
2: Ah, uh, well, Microsoft in that particular case with Apple, Microsoft was forced to do that.
1: Yes, but they did that. But they did that. That part came later. But the actual selling it office there was was a smart business. For a long time, Microsoft was basically made. If you read the old history of Apple, you get into some. Like I read this book in college about the saddest moment of my life. I was in college and I read a book about uh, the decline and fall of Apple in like 2002 and I just wish I'd had some, I wasn't in college and had some money to just put into that stock and see it turn into what it is today, right? It's like there was a time period in which the survival of that company came down to Microsoft making an investment, not just because they were forced to by court, but also because there was money in it, right? The, so sometimes companies won't go cross-platform, but these, the one thing about these large companies that is good for investors is that they are they are beholden to shareholders who want money. And that may, that causes a lot of bad things. But the one thing it does do is that if they see money, they will push for cross-platform if the money is there.
2: Yeah, but the, the, the thing is that while they're seeing money, the other thing that they're seeing is a cannibalizing their console. Like yes. the console, if they cannibalize their console and they lose that, then they lose, they maybe not lose money tomorrow, they lose money you know, I, in two years from now, when nobody buys a console anymore, and suddenly they no longer control the market, suddenly their Facebook and Apple's Play Store on with new advertising restrictions that they can't control.
1: There's there's truth to that, and I'm not saying that every company will do it, but I, I'm not as pessimistic about the amount of exclusive, exclusiveness or exclusivity that is going to happen. It's an issue, but a lot of times, eventually subscriptions and fees become the thing, right? It's just, yes, I mean, there are plenty of examples in the business where certain properties are not allowed to go across. That is a real problem. And it's a legitimate complaint the FTC is making. So there will definitely be examples of that.
2: And to be clear, I don't know if Call of Duty is going to be not go across. I just think that there's going to be, there's going to be a $300 million game every year or so, two years, whatever that each of these companies is going to develop from their suite of games that's going but to you, be exclusive to their platform.
1: But you don't want very many of those. You want yeah. a couple that will get people to make sure they buy your platform. You, you got to have something, but once they've bought your platform. I have the Mario's
0: and the Crash Bandicoot's.
1: Yeah, once, <laughs> Which, yep, once, yeah. <laughs> once they're in your market, then you can look at monetizing the product to other competitors for money. Right, you don't do, you don't do everything, and I'm not saying that's a good thing, mind you. I really am not, not excited about this at all. It's it's kind of sad, but there are going and I'm taking a little bit of a devil's advocate position, but things will not be quite as dire. And and, it, and in weird sense, if there's an argument for it, I think you've hit at it, which is that otherwise there's going to be a wipeout of the industry. The the players that are left are strong enough. They're basically forming duopolies, you know, that yeah. type of the, the oligarchy tie for there's a term for just multiple large players in a business that have the money to survive the difficult times and produce content. And I would be more worried. Now, I'm not a console gamer. The Console people I feel sorry for because they don't have a good, solid, exciting, independent gaming market. Yeah. Whereas, whereas as a PC player, the indie market's amazing and I can I can do without any of this stuff doesn't barely even notice it most of the time yeah, I just basically every so often a game of the year will come out and i like oh, I gotta I want that one. I want that one, but yeah. I, but I definitely think the console gamers are 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 suffering under this to a degree. The question is, would they be suffering worse if the publishers all struggled in their endless competition? would that would that be better? I don't know
2: I suspect so. I mean, there's some downsides to it, sure. but I think because here's the other thing that happens. When when you have a, a few companies that consolidate on, on this, they tend to want to produce the fewest games possible that give them the biggest return.
1: Oh, yeah, that's always the case.
2: And so what we're seeing here, by all this consolidation, what we're seeing is a net loss of games in the industry that are available to play. And...
1: But does that no. ever is hap- that ever happened in this industry? We're at a point where companies just stop making new product because of that.
0: we're seeing Have you seen Activision? Uh, <laughs> but,
1: I mean, we're seeing um uh, that's a different phenomenon. Everybody's going for the microtransaction money because that's where it is right no, now. No, I'm just talking well, about
0: they've just kept making Call of Duty.
1: Well, but yeah, but, but no, specific. no, exactly.
2: That's what we're seeing is what the what they're doing is they are uh, putting all of their money and energy into the the known known cash cows, and they're not really innovating. They're just Call of Duty makes money. People want to play Call yeah. of Duty, so what you get is another Call of Duty.
1: Let me be fair to those companies. That is because consumers are stupid and make <laughs> stupid decisions. No, I, it, it's it's we everybody complains about a million sequels at the at the cinema, but look at the number of independently made movies that are basically just bombs. Cause nobody knows what they're buying and they don't want to, they don't want to
2: do yep. it. Right? No. And this is, this is the perpetual problem. I, I actually put a, a good bit of the blame on us uh, on the ad, for, a good bit of the blame for this on us. Gamers um, yeah. our buying
0: spending yeah.
1: habits. And we, people buy the repeated products because they, they think they're safe or they like it or they're excited about it it's i i have to say i'm no different I, it's hard for me to go find totally independent products and have any idea what i'm buying
2: right right I, absolutely yeah well, i mean I, and, I, even sometimes in the indie games if i come up against an indie game that is a more expensive indie game i hesitate because i'm like yeah. i i don't know i don't know these guys i don't know if they're good this this is
1: a fun yeah, game I, the the indie the indie market has got its own like it's not a perfect market i mean it's it's hard it's hard and so yeah, I, I, I see that, but I, I think a lot of it is driven by just the normal where the money is thing, as opposed to, I, I guess I'm less believing that large conglomerates don't make things because they have to do stuff with their money. And the whole reason they consolidate is to make more money with what they have. And yes, you can, ma- you can make more money raising prices, but there's actually a fairly strong limit to how much markup you can put up just due to monopoly advantage like that limit there's a limit to that and that limit is not as high as you, know, you got to make more product or you just people won't buy your thing and so i don't i don't think it's as dangerous as you guys say it is i'm not saying it's great i but the question becomes does is the market really going to be able to support this many triple a titles at this cost anyway like is there enough money for gamers to go out and buy lots and lots of games when I, mean, I you know i i grew up like i said i grew up in the 80s where if two or three games a year was like a big thing for me like you had to yeah. you trade you traded games like if i needed to play something and play before i i traded with my friend because what we did or i went over to his house and of course some of my friends had a lot of games but I mean, in a given year i'd be lucky to get it's more than three or four games then I could go to a, a store and rent a few and try them out and if i really really liked it I, i'd use my christmas money or whatever to buy it it you know there there have been plenty of times when people just don't spend large amounts of money on this and if anything i think Pear's earlier argument that the cost of the product is not reflective of a true cost no. may of itself be a hint of the issue
0: oh, gamers
1: may gamers may have just hit the limit they, they're not going to pay more or at least they're not going to pay more until it's free to play, and then they're going to give you five times as much money as they started with.
2: They're, right? they're not going to pay more knowingly.
1: Yeah, it's it's like I said. It, the the whole you know we talked about the free to play thing. The free to play thing is is a little way to vacuum money out of your wallet by convincing you that you're not being ripped off, and it's it it works amusingly well, right? But just sticker shock. If the market could bear more expensive games, it would. And this is to be completely fair. You know, I. The fact that a game is $60 or 70 or $80, I mean, 40, $40 and $50 games were nothing special 20 years ago when I was buying games. The price of food's gone up a lot faster than the price of the games. Yeah. Well, I so, think that goes
0: back to the idea that, you know, there—it it is a competitive market. It has been. And Adam, I, mean, that I, is... don't, I don't
1: know if that's competition. I think that just may be what people kind of are willing to pay for these things. People just may not I don't know how many people are willing to pay $200 for a game. Which is probably what the price should be if, if you if you factored in inflationals. It's $150, bucks. How many people you know are going to go out and buy as many games as they buy at that price?
2: I don't think people have that much. Most people have that much disposable income because at that level of cost, you're buying one game a year.
1: Yeah. I
2: mean so that's that's a, that's a that's a cheap graphics card. $200 game is is a graphics card.
0: Well, and I think what we're seeing now in today's market, you know, is very similar. We know we've drawn a few parallels between Hollywood and the video game industry. Um, You know, with Hollywood, what we're seeing often, I mean, I don't know if you guys see it in your cities. You probably do. I mean, it's probably a widespread thing in North America in general, probably around the world even, where it's very much like I no longer go to the movies. The movies cost so much money. And so it's funny because like, so for me, I, I'm, I'm a person that does go to the movies. I love going to the movie theater. I love the experience of it all. I love it all. And people are like, oh, it costs so much money. And it's like, okay, I'm not going to the movie theater every single freaking month. You know, I pick and choose my movies wisely and the movies that I feel are like, and there will be, there'll be movies that I'm like, oh, I'd really like to see that movie, but I'll wait. And so this is like the, the change of behavior that's even happened with somebody like myself that is a movie theater enthusiast, Right. Where it's very much like, okay, you know what, that's not a movie theater movie, right? I'm I'm not gonna go see that with my friends. And typically, I make it the movie theater uh, uh, social experience, right? I go with my friends, I go see movies like that, right? And, and yeah, that's kind of how the, I do it.
2: The but, high quality movie that's going to be great to see in the theater. That's the theater is going to add to the experience or
0: even interesting. I'm not. I'm not a. I'm not a I'm I am I consider myself sort of more of an aficionado in the sense that I do see more kind of eclectic movies. I I will go see something that maybe like you said Lex, that may have not had the, the the marketing oomph behind it, but it does look of a of an interesting type. I will say this though. So, but with the gaming industry to draw parallels, right? Why I'm why I made this point to so draw parallels. You know, there's a lot of people now that don't. Uh, well, there's a lot of people that like the whole pre buy are. Uh, like pre-order thing like pre-orders were uh a thing that was developed out of history right in the sense that there was only so many physical copies of the of the game at the at the eb games or gamestop or whatever and that you lined yeah. up at four in the morning and it became like a very fun social experience yeah. and you know oh three what have you not you could look up videos yourself right but it, it kind of morphed into this like pre-order the game and then you get all these like exclusive things and all of this jazz, and so it's morphed into this kind of thing. But there's a lot of people nowadays that like totally, and I get. I, I think we're going to see more and more of that. But funny enough, there is also I would say it it it's like that social signaling, or like, you know how we talked about anchoring, right? How there's these like social signals that we're getting passed through us right now. And what I mean by that is with the so here's the here's my the thumbtacks on the cork board, you know, it all makes sense. Um, So you have a scenario here where there's not a lot of social signals to go to a movie theater, right? There really isn't like, except for friends, right? So your friends are like, I want to go see a movie with you. Okay, cool. Let's go to the movie theater, social signal, right? It's like, we're going to go see it, right? And so with video games and games in general, you might have a friend group. And and this is, I'm guessing how it goes nowadays, right? You have a friend group that's very much like, oh, we poo poo, Pre-orders, right? We're not big into pre-orders. We're not going to do that. Those are that's for suckers, right? But generally speaking, the 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 major proponents of social signals, such as influencers, right? And I I see it more and more and more and more. And I, I think we can all concur here when I say this that the marketing devices that these game companies are using nowadays are more and more driven towards the influencer right it's like why like what's the whole reason like what is the benefit you're going to gain from getting the day the game five days early except for the f- fact that you're going to play the game five days early now that might be good but like really it is the idea that like if you subscribe to these influencers these these gaming influencers the strong social signal that you are given as a gamer as you need to get the game as soon as possible so that you can be there with the streamer so that you can be one with your your tribe right it's and I basically
2: think... what you're saying is it's part of like the social signal is i want to be part of the group that does plays x game so i'm going to be invested in it i'm going to watch all of the content creators about it they're going to hype it up i'm going to get the game uh, early and be part of that
0: quote unquote club. And the thing though is, is with this FTC deal and the whole shebang with Microsoft and that is it will be problematic to some degree where it's like, I I think it's, it's weird that I think, and maybe it's funny that, that these companies maybe are pitting, like not us, but you know, pitting gamers against each other to some degree where it's very much like we're going, to I know we kind of mentioned that of course there will be exclusives, right? But like that if if these two companies become so large that it's like they get to the point where it's like this game that's coming out is like oh, like played by 50% of the gaming community and this game is played by 50% of the gaming community or like even 50% of the games that came out, this this is more realistic, 50% of the games that came out this year were made by Microsoft and 50% of the games that are made by this year were made by Microsoft or, or um, Sony, sorry. So then it's the scenario where it's like, if you want to play, if you're a console game, now PC gamers, luckily, like you said, Lex, have it pretty good, right? But um, if you want to play 50% of the games that came out this year, if you're a console player, you need to buy uh, an Xbox, right? If you want it's, to play 50% of the games, you need to have a PlayStation. It's been that way
1: for 40 years. Well, it has. Okay, that's, yes, that, of course. The, yes. This, this dual console. <laughs> if, you want to play Mar- things... if you want to play
0: Mario, you need a Switch.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I, I've, I've, that's not the first time I've seen this competition.
0: Yeah.
2: This is this is completely normal. I mean, it has been like this in the past. In fact, it, this was how everything started, where there weren't a lot of cross games. It was a game was on a console, partially because it was really challenging. They The hardware was so unique. It was really challenging to cross platform those games. But then we have been going through this heyday where. All of these independent publishers who don't have hardware, who don't aren't invested in the hardware, want to get their game on as many platforms as possible. All the Activisions, all the Blizzards, the So generally those publishers have had very wide access policies where they want they may start launch exclusively, but then they go broad. And I think and what we're doing is we're losing that because the big players each have hardware <laughs> and they're going to want to s- keep you yeah. on their hardware
1: yeah I-, I guess i'd I'd say that's true
2: so i mean it, it we've been there before we're gonna go back <laughs> it's a big cycle i think um, well you know what's going think... to be
0: interesting too is um you know, what are, What exactly is Microsoft buying here, right? You talked about Minecraft, right? And how Minecraft was bought for $1 billion. It's one, like, Call of Duty, right? <laughs> Back to Call of Duty. Oh,
1: okay, so just to answer your question, they're buying one of the biggest console platform games, they're buying the biggest massive multiplayer online, and they're buying a big mobile platform. They're buying quite a
0: bit. Well, they're buying the... And, like, I'm saying kind of caterers paribus here, you know, all things being the same, like... Um so forget mobile for a second. Obviously, we know why they're buying them. <laughs> we know why they're buying them, but from a like let's say just from a pure kind of AAA standpoint, they're buying Call of Duty. They're buying these these other kind of games like World of Warcraft, but like large in part, I would say that Blizzard's days in terms of like their IPs are quite numbered, right? Like like Overwatch 2 came out. Consider this for a second. Overwatch 2 has come out. What's happened? right like not much it's it's quite it's it's on its last legs like world warcraft has been kind of leaking players for a long time now obviously diablo 4 is coming out and it sounds like it's going to be a good game but it's very much like so what are they buying here behind the talent i think that's going to be very interesting to study to see but it's very much like how much time like cuz they're talking about how like call of duty has like 10 years and i'm like and I might be very wrong on this, but like, it is a very popular game. It's one of the biggest games that are out there. But like, does it have ten years? Like, does it really have ten years?
1: They want it to be a Madden, right? Well, one hundred
0: percent. I'm just like, so, you okay, see, I,
1: I, I remember the day when there was more than one, you know, football franchise. Like that, that, that did it. They did actually used to have other
0: have like football. Crash Bandicoot football.
1: <laughs> no, but no. I th- there was a day for a long time where there were competitors to Madden, and then it's for a very long time. It's basically been Madden, nothing else, right? Which is a classic example of one product just taking up space. So th- those examples do exist. I mean, the EA Sports has had a number of those types of things for a long time, and they're just they want to. I I don't know how they keep pushing out Call of Duty games. I these are I think it snooze. does. It so has that, ten years. Yeah, they're all just to me. They're all just variations on the same thing I bought last year.
0: Oh yeah, but the people.
1: But here's the thing, right? That's why I don't the, buy them. <laughs> consumers have proven that they will go out and buy the same game they bought last year. They buy it. They'll buy it on a different console. They'll, they'll do all kinds of just bad financial decisions. That companies are aware of. So I. I'm... I'm, yeah, I'm
2: looking at the list of Call of Duty games right here, and <laughs> it is a insane number across multiple platforms. this This game totally has ten years in it. No well, question. What's
0: the, you know what's the bonker things behind bonker thing behind Call of Duty? You know what's a Call of Duty that we all remember? Let me start with Lex, and I'll come to you, Des, in a second. Lex, what's a Call of Duty you remember? Just one. Just give me a game title. Zero. I've never played any of. Them. No, 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 but just give me a title you remember. Uh, probably Modern War. Modern Warfare. Warfare. Modern yeah. Warfare. Okay. Yeah, just and, because that's the one I remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, fair enough. Lex or Des.
2: <laughs> Never played any of them, but Call of Duty, Modern Warfare, easy, hands down. Yeah, that's Modern the only Warfare. one. I own.
0: And for me, I'd probably say Black Ops, right? Black Ops was kind of the game that I actually played legitimately for the story. I kid you not. It was a it was a fantastic like it was a cinema worthy story. And so it's interesting, that now we have like call of duty modern warfare 2 remastered right and they're trying to play on that but also they have like call of duty infinite right that was a thing and there was like call of duty There was like a cold war one that came out like but they're so forgettable like they're just so forgettable I, comparatively I to the one that that really their quality has gone down the, quite significantly i don't
1: it's way off topic I, I don't get that whole front game type i've watched my i played it when i was younger burned out a long time ago see my son play it and i'm like It looks exactly like the games I played 20 years ago and arguably in no way better. Like, no way better. So I I don't know why people just keep buying more and more of them. And my son, to be fair, my son does it all. My son does it for one reason. His friends do it. And he well, wants I think to play multiplayer. It. Yeah, he he has to just keep buying the new one because his friends are on the new one. And if he doesn't buy the new one, yep. then he can't play with his friends. That's that's the limit of
0: and the I think game devs Yeah, I think I think uh, publishing houses know that. That it's very much like a social experience, and that's why they do it. And I mean, um, you know what? Also, yes. is kind of a trend we're seeing, and I've seen this now. And um, what's a game that I was like, oh, oh what's dude, a game you, that's recently already has? Uh, Call of Duty came out in 2003. Yeah. This already has 20 years in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, there's a game that's coming out re- soon that I'm thinking, I'm trying to remember, but you know what's kind of the newest trend that's out there? And it's it's purely for microtransactionary reasons. And uh, Battlefield 2042, I think that was it. Battlefield 2042? I think that was the... Re- I have so it on you, my computer, you, I should know this.
1: It, it, it is worth a conversation. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, is the, is the hero... Sorry, Lex. The, the the collapse of the Battlefield franchise. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I mean I I played like a lot of the early Battlefield games. Yeah. Back when innovation still happened with those games, and yeah. you know I just it's it's just watching. Sorry, I just I, at least once an episode I gotta be like, what's happened <laughs> to this industry? I love no,
0: but what I was gonna say is uh the the hero shooter. So the hero shooter because what it is essentially is it's like a very cosme- cosmetic heavy sort of thing where it's very much like instead of just one cosmetic, like instead of your character and you get a, oh, that's what it was. There's this new MMO coming out from, um, it's a new MMORPG, fantasy MMORPG coming out by the same people as Warframe. No, sorry, I'm going to rephrase. Different developer studio but uh warframe is like backing them like the warframe studio is backing them and it's a huge sh- it's a it was the most bizarre thing it was like a guild wars thing and i get it like guilds guild wars did it and i mean i fair enough it worked and and that's great but it's just so weird that they kind of talk about it from this angle of like i don't know it's just like this hero shooter thing which i'm just like it, it didn't make sense in battlefield land first of all it didn't i was like we don't need heroes in Battlefield. That's not the point of Battlefield. You've completely missed the point. But that's besides the point. Anywho, we're coming up on the 1 minute 30 mark. So any conclusionary remarks from Des oh, you, or Lex about the subject? You beat me to that
1: one. I was, I was going to do that one. Okay. I'm, what? I was going to do the concluding remarks. That You got, you got there first. No, <laughs> do you got you? any concluding, no, conclusionary
0: no, no. remarks? I'm, I guess as
1: always this is not the first time this has happened
0: no no well i mean no this is it's actually following a long string of happenings
1: (laughs) so it it won't be good but it's also will lead to a new era and that new era i still think there's still going to be plenty
0: of content out there oh yeah uh, so i'm not that worried about that well the best thing about the gaming industry very much large in part is how it differentiates from well maybe hollywood is similar to some degree Um, but maybe I'd say from a more accessible standpoint is that with tools such as the Unreal Engine and things like that, um, you know, giving younger indie studios the power to develop and innovate in this space, I I don't, like, I'm not fearful for the industry because here's the thing, the last time I played a game from, uh, you know, Activision Blizzard, uh, well, I played Overwatch 2 just to kind of see from a scientific standpoint what it was like. But I didn't really; I had no intention of playing it full time. But so it's like I haven't played a game from these studios in a very long time, and it's like why? It's because I've already given up on them to some point, right? Like it's like I'm I'm kind of done, right? And and that's just the reality of the situation. Sorry, Lex, I cut you off there. No, no, you,
1: you're the weird thing is, I think, is that we all three are. We just we've been doing this long enough that I think all three of us <laughs> we we're just seeing repetition of things yeah. we grew bored of a long time ago. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's just the reality. I was,
2: I've played this game already. It looked different. But, you know, like, <laughs> never skinned, Battlefield,
1: but Battlefield goes back to 2002. Right, there's been 20 years of these yes. franchises yeah. pumping out essentially the same game over and over and over again, and people buy it and they play it. And for me, I'm there was a period of time early
2: on where the graphics were significantly better for a few versions because the technology, the hardware technology, kind of was
1: well, reaching
2: a curve. But there was a point past which it didn't really matter.
1: Well, like Battlefield 1942 was a legitimate new idea. Mm-hmm. Never played a game where you you get up there. The I think it was the Midway Island where you know somebody's flying an aircraft off the carrier and somebody's driving the destroyer around. Well, that's-
0: That was big yeah
1: yeah and 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 that that was an improvement on a game like the 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 day of defeat a d-day version of a like first time i'd ever played a world war ii type game right and then battlefield vietnam which was the second one series was very good too right but there hasn't been the improvements from those early stages like they they, it's getting real incremental the improvements are uh, to be fair the things that have improved the multiplayer's gotten a lot better stability the multiplayer's improved over the years you know th- there's been improvements in incremental things but the actual game itself is and i watch my son play and i'm just like there's nothing new here i'm glad you like it
0: hmm. well but, and you, you know what you, that's a good point lex uh though is the idea that it's like you know what who are we to say for people to stop playing these things like you know good my, not, my, like, if, it, my, if it brings my, you happiness and, and joy like do it right my issues way. are my issues are my own yeah exactly sons. right
1: <laughs> he, he'll he, he'll grow bored of him someday too maybe and then he'll have his own complaints
0: yeah exactly what
2: i i feel like my my real interest with this is my only real concern with this acquisition is i'm afraid of what might happen if we continue to consolidate to the indie game market um there might come a point where some of these big players try to shut out the indie game market. Well, but, they already Well,
0: yeah. I'd say I would argue that they've already been trying for a very long time from yeah, a marketing yeah, yeah. standpoint, right? They have—they have massive amounts of more marketing dollars, marketing deals, things like that, marketing clout behind them. But so I—I I would actually say that your fears might be a little. I, I understand, like they're—they're they're founded on fact and reality, but I would say that. I haven't, I don't think we've witnessed that reality to some degree like the indie the indie market is thriving and and as we saw from like scavengers for instance you know the idea that these companies are permanent like these moves are permanent is far fetched right and it's and,
2: really hard in this age of the internet with all of the open source stuff that we have to exactly. really shut out an indie well, market so
0: plus plus not indie
2: market
1: indie market thrives more when the big players oh, we were chatting getting... about that
0: last week yeah exactly okay. it's like yeah. when these companies start to fail is when indie companies start to thrive because well and they
2: have there's so much more creativity and innovation and just well and there's
0: something to be said as well about the idea of like for, for instance like twitter for instance twitter a lot of like bootstrap like so bootstrap for uh web developers and other things like so these big triple a's afford these big investments in tech right these big right. technological investments and then what happens is they become either open source or people that were working inside those in, like in that side of that company might be inspired by that or use that to some degree to build their own development right. company or something like that so they do an offshoot of the, like so for instance like the scavengers people it was made by um midwinter games, right? And midwinter was an offshoot of 343, which we could consider to be a triple A developer, right? So it's so it's like if anything, it's like as these companies become so much larger, they might become larger. But actually I would dare say and make the argument that actually there might be a point sort of like Rome to some degree where it's very much like they become too large to support themselves and they do start to gradually shrink. Right. So these IPs still get but like an example I can think of in recent time would be like Ubisoft, for instance. Like Ubisoft, you know, uh, the Assassin's Creed series and stuff like that. But you yeah, have like Ubisoft Shanghai, Ubisoft this, Ubisoft this, Ubisoft this. What are they? These aren't Ubisoft. They're just companies that Ubisoft bought out that live in these spots, right? And so they yeah. make, they, they work on these games and that's good. But it's like... Who's to say that these companies couldn't make an offshoot company and go develop? Which we see that time and time again, right? So, yeah, we see it
1: all the time. Yep. Yeah, Cri- creative oh. people will find ways to create. That's yeah. the one yeah. great thing about artists.
0: So, Des, what are your final conclusionary remarks about this whole shenanigans?
2: I'm not a fan of the the move. I think there's nothing going to stop it. Um, are you going to go? You're going to take all...
0: a sandwich sign outside of Xbox no, Studios tomorrow no, and protest?
2: I'm... I'm not that local, upset local Florida man. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think that, that we're going to just go through a new phase of the gaming industry. And it's at some level, it's kind of inevitable and we'll come out the other side. And I have high hopes that part of what gets us out the other side is eventually we do grow tired of the same thing over and over again. And more and more people rediscover indie games and retro games and uh, mm-hmm all this wide world of content that's out there
0: yeah and, yeah 100 yeah. percent. and i mean i think it'll be interesting too to see <coughs> the future of the call of duty series if it gets cut in half or cut cut in a third with like if we lose a, if they lose a third of the market from the playstation market i mean that'll be interesting to see but i, I think we already all know collectively that their move is not so much about uh uh, a very minute sum coming from a console game called Call of Duty and more from right, Get Ready right. Guys Candy Crush. Candy Crush is where <laughs> it's at, guys. Candy Crush. <laughs> that's what we're I all still, here about, guys.
2: <laughs> I am I am amazed at how much Candy Crush makes. Yeah.
1: Well, and that's well, just uh, it. Right. I'm not amazed the thing is, is that I'm not amazed at how much it makes. I'm amazed at how much it makes relative to the cost of making it. Like, yeah. It's, yeah. It's an example of a simple product that just converts time and the money it's just massive rates
0: well you know what i was thinking about the other day so our previous conversation that we had Des, while you were ill was the idea about division and how the division was making uh they're making a mobile division game right so there was a division one division two and now they're making a mobile division game and i was kind of like well are they are they doing that to make a uh a division three and we did a little uh, little study on the podcast showing like Elden ring made like 53 million dollars whatever and cost whatever to make and it got all these awards and it became a critically acclaimed game. And it was fantastic. So 53 million. I was like, Oh wow. Congratulations to you guys. 53. That's not, that's not bad. Right. But then it was like, sorry, pardon? Uh, Yes. That's not bad. But then it was like FIFA. It was like FIFA 22 or whatever. It was like, yeah. 1 billion. (laughs) It was like, wait a (laughs) second. Where is this? uh, Right. So yeah, it's that kind of concept, but In, in a sense, the indie markets
1: flourish because the big boys don't want to take the time to chase the little money. No, 100%. The fifty-three million
2: just doesn't look as interesting next to the one billion.
1: Yeah, I I I actually that happened to me at work one time. I was I was working for a very large retailer and I was able to come in with projects that were you know, a quarter million dollar budget and could make you know twenty, thirty million dollars in return. And I couldn't get my bosses interested because it just wasn't the kind of money that they cared about. Right. And it's I'm great like,
2: return percentage wise. Uh, I'm like, but the return just, is okay. amazing.
1: It's like I'm one guy and I'm you know, it cost you a yep. quarter million dollars and you get all this return and it's like, well, you know, the the real problem is, is our bosses at the top need the big dollar projects to justify our billion dollar revenue, our billion dollar infrastructure and system. And therefore, if we don't make larger amounts of returns, then they won't they won't hire us. And so to them, yeah. that kind of money just didn't even though it was real money, it just didn't fit the corporate culture And i think that will happen these these guys are going to start chasing the big big money and it will open up some room on the bottom for the smaller dollar amount yeah Yeah. i I do yeah it's weird because you
2: end up in this in this situation where you'd almost rather spend 750 million to make a billion
0: yeah
2: because a billion is a bigger number than 20 million (laughs) When
1: (laughs) when you get to that point you The problem is, is right, the CEO gets money. The board of directors goes to CEO and says, make us money. And the CEO goes to all his department heads and says, make us money. And And then they go to the
0: offshore engineers that they hired and say, make us money.
1: (laughs) But but the the key here is, is that the company funds puts its money in. The bigger the company is, the more money the investors have to put in and the bigger total return they want, right?
0: Yeah. And it's
1: it's just natural, you know. I'm putting in a whole bunch of money. I expect a certain amount of return. And, and even if something is more efficient, if it just doesn't generate those big returns, it's just not worth the time.
0: Yeah. And that, that happens. Well, thank you Lex for the absolutely fantastic topic. I, man, you really know how to, you do. I mean, uh, time and time again, you've picked a topic and we've been like, yeah, let's, let's ride this thing to the moon and back again. So thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening to our esoteric dive into the world of gaming acquisitions and mergers this week. It's been absolutely fantastic and we appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. So you've been listening to Pear, Des, and Lex. And if you do have any feedback or would like to recommend a topic for one of us to discuss please head over to our Discord, which will be in the description of this podcast. Which um, And then you can actually go to a channel we call the Watercooler channel. If you do have some pieces of points to discuss throughout this podcast, if you have any things to disagree with, exposition, any number of things, please go to that Watercooler channel and discuss. Um, if you do enjoy our podcast, uh, please make sure to leave a five-star review on Spotify or even better yet, write a review on iTunes or even better yet, more importantly, share this pod podcast with your friends well once again thanks everyone and remember as always take your hand grip it firmly around your wallet and hold on tight hold on tight (laughs) thanks guys (laughs)